Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd with the How to Live Podcast Uncut. Today I'm here with uh, Stephen James, who is the Executive Director for Sage Hill Counseling. And he and I have written a book called Hope in the Age of Addiction, which we believe is very important, not just for the time we live in, but for the times we have lived in. So we have a series of podcasts we're going to be presenting. So I hope you enjoy them and benefit from them. Thank you. Hey, Chip. Stephen James, hello. Hey, man. Well, this is the last installment in our special series on our new book, mm-hmm. Hope in the Age of Addiction. Yeah. Yeah. How to find freedom and restore your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I love the title. I don't like the subtitle because it's, it's, it's honestly, it, I would love subtitle to say how to uh, address and revitalize the, a, 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 a culture chaos. <laughs> and that's why that's not the subtitle. <laughs> So, uh, once again, thanks to the editors, because, we, the, like I say, the parenting book was... Uh, when you... When you uh, uh, the pandemic rising would be the... T- <laughs> an existential spiritual yes, development. I know, yeah. I know. The, the, there's, there's some things you give up when you partner to work with a publisher. You give up yeah. uh, control of the cover, control yes. the title, control the distribution. Yes. Control uh, of, copyright permission over. So we're, we're actually really grateful that yeah. we like so much of the book because it's not only ours anymore. We share it with someone. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's and we're true. doing more with somebody than we could do alone, which is yeah. trusting. And, and I'm thankful to Ravel's uh, because their interest. As we started out these podcasts, we were asked to do two books on parenting and, um, we urge them, please do something that's even more important because parents can't parent if they're if they're involved in this pandemic in a negative yeah. way. So let's let's use this podcast to, to do wrap two up. things to wrap up. Let's let's review, you know, using the the paradigm of sickness and recovery that we have in the book of how people get sick and become addicts and how they come back to full life. Yeah. Let's use that model. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, and then let's let's end with the daily practices and disciplines of what it means to be a work in progress. Which is to keep heart. Yeah. How, how do it's we keep It's all about heart. heart. What are the daily practical yeah. practices of keeping yeah. how heart? How do I keep heart? Yeah. You know, I, it, this is a funny, a little bit of a funny story, but I designed the paradigm um, of recovery is what I originally called yeah. it. The book calls it something else, but paradigm of recovery and sickness. But I had it on a, a yellow legal sheet of legal pad. And uh, our clinical director at the Center for Professional Excellence, I would just use it to, to teach the, the the doctors and business people who are in treatment. So I'm showing them the whole picture of the development of addiction. And Phil is, is his name. And uh, he found it in my desk. I was just getting it out. He goes, what's this? I said, it's paradigm recovery. He looked at it. He goes, he said, he said so a few choice words, but basically he's like, you dope. It's like, this is the whole thing. What are you doing? Sticking this in your drawer. Your drawer on a piece of paper. <laughs> so this is a poster too, if anybody wants it. But, yeah. but the paradigm recovery is really the summation, really sums up the whole book. It says that we were born with a self and we were born a certain way. And then if that, if that self becomes rejected, in other words, I don't get to belong in matters I've created. Which it, it will. It, it, it often happens. Unless if a child's being raised 
to process feelings, they will not do self-rejection, though life will harm and hurt for sure. But so it, but if the child experiences abandonment, in other words, not getting to belong in matters I'm created, feelings are negative or bad, then that child will feel ashamed, toxic shame. So self becomes rejected because we're created to crave belonging and mattering. I will become ashamed of how I'm created because I need you so much. Mm -hmm. So I'll start having contempt for who God made me to be and start trying to become what you're looking for. Well, we even we even equate that abandonment and trauma and so like our our limbic brain equates those as threats of death. Yes. Right? So it's a it becomes a life or death experience. That Stephen, that's really true because honestly a child doesn't have a concept of death but they have a concept of alone, which is death. Yes, <laughs> which is which is death. Which so, is it's one that is one of the, the three hardwired threats Every human has yes. abandonment, aloneness equals death. Yes, that's it's like real. Drowning. Yes, yeah, yes. And 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 people who have, have a panic disorders will feel like they're suffocating. Yeah, and because it's the true self is crying out through the anxiety to save me, but, yeah. but it means they're alone. Anxiety means helplessness. So alone. then I end up hating myself, having toxic, toxic shame. shame, and 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 then John Bradshaw, Brene Brown, go look at toxic shame. But it's rejection of humility, though. Toxic shame is hatred towards myself for being somebody who's made to ask, seek, and knock, or somebody who's made to cry out, reach out, and take in. So codependency is the cover over toxic shame. I watch you to see who I need to be. I'm only as my worth is wrapped up in your pleasure. I'm responsible for the great four destructive thought processes. I'm responsible for your feelings. I'm responsible for your thoughts and moods. I'm responsible for your actions. I make you do things. I can make you kill yourself by the way I look at you. I mean, that's twisted. Mm -hmm. But we, we're we raised to believe that kind of stuff. And then I'm a mind reader. Yeah, and, and I know what, what you're thinking. And my performance, my then performance and your belief of me, I, I somehow believe I'm in control of. Like, if I make you feel good, yes. then I exist. Yes. Yeah. And, and if, and I, if I make you feel bad, then I'm ashamed. Yeah. So, so that's codependency. It's, it's enslavement. That's it's a, addiction. So all, my whole life becomes looking outward at the people around me. Yes. And I have no internal experience yes. other than, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Yes. Like a fear of death all the time. Yes. And, and until I can make something outside my world, okay. So codependency is an external solution to an internal problem. It's exhausting. And it's addiction. It's exhausting. And it wears a person out. Now, when a person is sick and tired of codependency, they can't take anymore. They can't, they're not uh, resilient. <laughs> not the, word, the word you use, you yeah. know, the, the misuse yeah. of resilient. Then when a person says, okay, I've got to have some rest. And that's where addiction kicks in, addiction proper. That's where the pill the process, the food, the exercise, the religion. And, yeah, and our our advocacy for addiction is it's much, much broader yes. than ingesting substances yes. that change our brain. Addiction is the thing you do to keep from experiencing vulnerability, i.e. feelings. And, and sometimes that's a drink or yep. a smoke or a line or whatever we're doing. Yeah. Oftentimes for most people, it's not those things. Yeah. It is. It is it a can, behavior. It's a ritualistic pattern. Yes. It's a compulsive thought process. Yep. It could be a person dressing in a way that they're looked at, and a person who looks at a person to get a hit. You know, in the in the love addict world, I mean, it's like just getting hits. Yeah. Uh, the eye contact for uh, uh, three seconds 
will be a hit. Yeah. Like, oh, I better. It, it, so that's how far we move. So self, rejection, toxic shame, contempt towards the self, codependency leads to addiction, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, most of them, and personality disorders, which we didn't get into in the book. Right. We stayed with addiction proper, but almost all of our anxiety disorder problems our depressive orientation problems, and and I'm not discounting that they're the the, the physiological piece yeah. and personality disorders are all related to codependency underneath it, the toxic shame that pushes us into codependency, the wounds that, wounds that no one was trauma. there to help us with yeah. when we were rejected, and the self. So recovery is the the five things we just talked about in the last podcast, coming back to self. Yeah. And you come back to self. with that. The, the addiction is reduced. The addiction slowly becomes small. You address the development that, that makes you need to run away from people, codependency, because you don't see yourself as acceptable. You start to address where the contempt for yourself, being a self, comes from. You deal with the struggles of your history of rejection. Remember, if you have feelings, one, you're going to feel them. Number two, you're going to have memories. Well, these are the memories. Well, the, the biggest gift I've experienced in my own recovery has been the transformation of toxic shame into like healthy shame, right? Is yeah. It, like I can't get away from shame. That's a that's a actually really important. I'm glad experience. to hear you say that because from what I understand, Brene Brown does not address healthy shame. I think that's a mistake. See, because healthy shame is the experience of being human, neediness, dependence, um, the cry. Well, the psychological definition of not having shame is being a psychopath. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm looking for some shame because we're all made out of yeah. dirt. And it's so powerful that it's we can so overuse it and it becomes toxic. Yeah. Right. But without it, we are not good people. Like we have no, no self awareness, awareness of other Healthy people, no shame empathy. Is the yeah. ground from which we develop empathy. Yeah. And empathy allows us to have compassion. Because I know what it's like to be human inside myself, all the pain and joys that I seek, all, I mean, all the pain I have and the joys I seek, yeah. I can look at you and watch your face and go, oh, that's familiar well, it keeps to me. me keeps Compassion. me flattering myself with other people. Yeah. It allows me to celebrate other people's like gifts. It allows me to accept their weaknesses. It allows me to accept my own limitations. You like, know what, Stephen? This is funny. Yesterday, a great example. There was a guy I was talking to. He's 70 years old. And wonderful guy. I mean, he is a, he's just a great guy. And he said, you know, he said he, he did this deal and he's bringing in just a large amount of money per year, more than I'm ever going to see in, you know, years. Right. And I was just talking to him and, and I had a pen in my hand and I, I tapped him on the leg with the pen and started laughing my guts out like, God, that is so good. I mean, I love that. So like you're getting that money, man. That's so great. He looked at me like, yeah. <laughs> and that is empathy. You know, like that, what a great experience to have that kind of thing. Compassion, like the ability even to celebrate. I'm so glad for you. I don't have it. You got it, but I like you. I care about you. I think you're a good man. Yeah. And so not yeah. that you deserve it, but I can celebrate you having Healthy it. Healthy shame allows us to celebrate Healthy other shame. Yeah. yeah. Humility is like. It's one of the greatest gifts of recovery. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I think he would want the same for me. Well, then that immediately shrinks our codependency. And Stephen, you know, I'm okay not having what he's got. That's his path. But still the path, the path of humility, the path of being needy, the path of being human, the path of God's direction, 
the path of us, uh, somebody who's got my back. I'm not alone. Who whispers wisdom into my right ear and my left ear? You know, we're in a herd, mm-hmm. uh, moving towards the same place. And when we reject our human experience, we've we've stepped off the path into the wilderness, which we talked about. We're cursing ourselves. Isolation. Yeah. We're, we're, we're depending on our own strength, and our hearts have turned away from how we're created and the God who created us. And so that 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 humility, the re- recovery of self, our feelings, needs, desires, longings, hope. Our, our admission of being that, right, returns us to a, a sense of, like, relationship with ourselves, relationship with others, relationship with God, which then right side, like, we then learn to experience pain. We learn to live in the struggle of life, yeah. the joy and the sorrow. We yeah. actually learn to tolerate our own feelings, right, yeah. which then decreases our codependency, yeah. right? Our humility, we have become human again. Our codependency, belief that we can control people, yeah. Or, or we have to serve people in order to have it. And then our need for substances that make us feel secure and safe and get smaller and smaller and smaller. It wanes. Yeah. It's, it, it is ever-present, so we admit it. It's always there, still there. But it's, it's, it's more like a limp, Jacob's limp. It yeah. reminds us, oh, yeah, I saw God. The way I think about it. Oh, yeah, it, I've got a new name. Yeah, the way, the way I think about it is um, there was a time where my addictive behaviors— were the biggest things in my life. And then now they're probably the same size as they were, you know, I met you in 99, which really began my process of moving away from those things. They're probably the same size, but my life has gotten so much bigger yep. than my addiction. And that's so beautiful in yeah. the paradigm of recovery. It's, it's the little bitty self, the baby self is now big, a big fat self. Yeah, I mean, not an egotistical self. No, it's like the big yeah. fat from the standpoint like, you know, uh, 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 fat was a compliment. It was like, you mean you got a lot of food and you got a lot of places to get it. In other words, you've got a storehouse of self and it, it's, you got enough to give away. Yeah. And, and it's, it's also not a starvation the, like, diet. It's the, it's the I, I continue to grow because I accept that I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Right. Because I'm going to be even more of myself to share and give and and partake and enjoy 20 years from now than I am now. You know, and, and as we close um, the book and uh, to talk about the, the way to stay The daily full, practices the, the, of staying full. And you said the word return, uh, and that speaks to the deal. We return to how we were created and we start growing up into who we're created to be. And return requires that we do uh, when we return, it means we know how to replenish daily, uh, restore daily, experience redemption daily, recreation daily. And in the book, we address about, you know, eight or nine, ten things that we need to be conscious of experiencing daily. And there's like experts on all these things, right? But we just kind of point to like, yeah. like prayer daily, right? Prayer and meditation daily is a, a practice that a recovery person has to use in order to find freedom in addiction. Yeah, staying in communion with yourself yeah. and God. Spiritual readings. Conversation. Right, is yeah. another uh-huh. one. Like, on purpose, picking up books that illuminate, enlighten, encourage, and refresh. Yes. Right, the human and, and it's and it's, not, and it's the contemplative orientation related yeah. to them, which means that, well, we go to journaling next, but those spiritual readings and those prayers— like uh, Marianne Diamond, one of the first per- people to talk about neuroplasticity. Yeah. I mean, 
when you sit down with a spiritual reading, prayer, journaling, your hands writing, your brain connected, your heart yeah, being the whole, expressed, the whole human you're, experience. You're having an organismic experience. Yeah. Another daily practice is is vulnerability. Yeah. Right. Do an intimate relationship with trustworthy people, like yeah. sharing your heart and receiving their heart yes. in the process. There's, you've got to spend some time every day talking about the experience of your inner self. Otherwise, you are uh, going to become isolated. Yeah. One, and then the next practice is rigorous honesty. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's a hard one. Yeah. Am I telling the truth? Am I open? And am I willing? Yeah. You and am, am I willing to take feedback about how dishonest with myself I am? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, <laughs> which is one more proof. It's like, who do I have in my world to say, you, you got a horse's tail, you yeah. know, like sticking out your behind. <laughs> I mean, it's like, who's going to tell me what I cannot see about myself? Yeah. And then the next daily practice is maintaining a clean slate of forgiveness, like That's keeping a big. short list. That's huge. Like when I, when I, Break relationship. Do I own it and say I'm sorry? Not I'm sorry, but like I'm sorry. Yeah. And does my hurt become resentment? Does my loneliness become apathy? Am am I attending to myself? And 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 the tenth step in AA, tenth step of the twelve steps, and what we're talking about here is keeping a short list, staying conscious of your mistakes, and go go deal with them. Yeah. Just keep up with sense. In fact, yesterday, this guy sent me this. This funny, hilarious, uh, pretty crude, uh, you know, like video meme TikTok thing. It's hilarious, like a, a play on words. And I didn't respond to him for like five hours because I hadn't I hadn't seen it. And then I get a text after he sent it, said, "Man, I want to tell you, I'm so sorry I said that. If I've offended you," and he was like, <laughs> "Like I haven't seen it yet. So I'm working. I watched it. It's like whoa, you know. I don't and, live with my phone. Yeah, but I yeah. but I, I I texted back and said, "Hey, it, it's okay. It was really funny." He was like, okay, I can sleep now. But what he <laughs> yeah. was saying was, hey, I, that was crude. And if you're offended, I get it. I'm sorry if I did. Maybe there's codependency in it. Yeah. But at the same time, he was saying, I'm sensitive to my conscience. I love you and never want to put you in a position of being offended or me hurting. Care about our relationship more than Yeah. And he, was, he even said, I can sleep now. Yeah. Guy lives in another state. And the next great guy. Yeah, the next practice is caring for one's own emotional. Oh, by the way, he almost made a fault. I was like a little, like some kind of prig too. I guess. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> the I'm next not. practice. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. The next practice is caring for one's own emotional, spiritual, and and physical health. Like the self care, which self care has become its own idolatrous addiction. Right oh now, man, right? See, that's why I, you know it's. I'm glad you're talking about that because we're not talking about that, right? <laughs> we're, not to, yeah. we're not talking but, about. Make like sure you never self, have to deal with anything. Self-indulgence to, yeah. to deal with things. But we do have to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually so that we can do the next thing. Like a little bit of exercise, like a decent diet, like good sleep, like prayer, meditation. Like being responsible for my own being is important so that I can serve others, right? We need, Which is the next practice. Like yes. serving others is so important. Yes. Yeah, so this this guy came in, he's, he's young, he's 30, overwhelmed with work, very successful. But it's like he's he's running dry. He's like, I don't know how to do this. And and I said two things. Number one, do you exercise? He and I gave it up. I had to quit because, you know, my son this. I said, do you have any time that you do spiritual reading, spiritual time? He goes, no, because I blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, 
one hour a day. All human beings yeah. require an hour a day. You do 30 minutes of spiritual time. You do 30 minutes of exercise. You got to. because it. Because if you exercise, you, you're like cleaning yourself out, so to speak. And if you if you do the spiritual reading, you're taking something in. And then the last practice of, of daily living and recovery is gratitude. Amen. Is is celebrating, being thankful, offering gratitude to God and others, like just being available to say thank you, well done. Yeah. Ann Voskamp says that uh, 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 the miracle uh, is preceded by gratitude. Gratitude opens us up to experiencing the miracle. And gratitude isn't Pollyanna. A gratitude is, uh, honestly, the beauty of remembering where I was, what happened, and where I am now. Yeah. Do you know, because, uh, and then looking around our world and seeing what we're getting to do, which pushes us to make sure we take care of ourselves so that we have it to give get, it. Get to do it tomorrow. Yes. So we need to fill up at the well so we can go out and pour out to people we recognize like us. Yeah. I'm going to read through those again. Because prayer, spiritual reading, journaling, vulnerability, rigorous honesty, maintaining a clean slate of forgiveness, caring for one's own emotional, spiritual, and physical health, serving others in gratitude. Those are the daily practice of what it means to walk the road of recovery, yeah. the path of freedom. Yeah, and, and, and we close the book uh, with... The, the disciples were arguing about the latter. You know, who's the greatest among us? Which, you know, I get that because the way society works, that's so common, right? It was old and it's new and it's still here. And who's the greatest in the kingdom yeah. of heaven? And yeah. Jesus brought a child who could stand with him. And he said, and this, this child, he said, unless you change, which we can't do, we have to admit our need for change. We can't change ourselves, but we can return to how we're made. That's the change. Unless you change and become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot grasp what this whole thing, you cannot get on the path. You cannot have the life that you're really looking for. So, I mean, this is an amazing thing. Addiction can end up being a gift that leaves us with a limp that returns us to who we're made to be, our true name. And it, the beauty of, uh, was it uh, Genesis 32, the story of Jacob we talk about in the book, Jacob got a limp and he had it the rest of his life. But that limp came from wrestling with a, a man, wrestling with God to find the life he was really looking for that he tried to do through his own willpower and smarts, but finally came to he had that life through surrender. And he said his name was changed from Jacob, which means to deceive, addicted, mm -hmm. to Israel, which means to struggle well, but to struggle with God and live. So we can close with, that we struggle to return to how we're created unless you change and become like one of these. You go back to how you're made and then learn how to grow up as an asker, a seeker, and a knocker. And keeping that childlike openness of gratitude and wonder yeah. and awe all along the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Like Sonia and those caterpillars ended up teaching me a ton about addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Well, God bless you, Stephen. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Bye.